those of you who were here at the beginning of the service um, will know that we had a little bit of a chat about banners, because today we are continuing our series on the names of God, and we come to the name Yahweh Nissi, which means the Lord is our banner. So we had a bit of a chat at the beginning of service about banners and what they're used for. And I have got three things that came to my mind as I was thinking over the last few days about banners and what they're used for. So the first one, now I realise that simply by putting that up, I'm going to alienate more than half the audience because... I don't do football, so I had to pick one team, and I'm really sorry. But this is my first example. (laughs) I need a lot of prayer. Okay. Um, This is an example of a banner that unites a group of people around a common purpose. So I've picked a football banner. It could be like a protest banner as well. could fit under this category. That's one we had earlier. But something that brings people together for a particular purpose is one type of banner. Let's move away from the football one quickly. The second type of banner that I thought of is a banner that communicates something really important. So we had the church banners were one of the examples that were brought out earlier. Patrick referred to the New Here banner, as you can see in my poster. But it's a banner that tells you something really important, like where to go if you're new. It might be a banner that hangs up on a bouncy castle, I think somebody said earlier, or a banner across Claygate Parade that tells you the date of Claygate Flower Show. I've got a third one that I don't think came out in our conversation earlier, but this third one is a banner as a sign of authority. Now, you might recognise the picture. It was from the Queen's committal service at Windsor when Prince Charles, as he was then, was putting this red flag onto the Queen's coffin. Now, the red flag, I had to look this up because I didn't know what it was, but it's the Queen's company camp colour. And what that means is the Queen was in charge of the Grenadier Guards Regiment, and that little red flag is a banner that signifies her authority over that regiment, the authority that had come to an end with her death. So the flag, the banner, was being buried with her as a sign of that authority. So three different types of banners that I want you to hold in your mind as we come now to explore our passage from Exodus, which I am going to read to us. This is Exodus chapter 17. If you want to find it on your phone or a printed Bible, it's Exodus 17, reading from verses 8 to 16. The Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites at Rephidim. Moses said to Joshua, Choose some of our men and go out to fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow I will stand at the top of the hill with the staff of God in my hands. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered. And Moses, Aaron and Hur went to the top of the hill. As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held his hands up, one on one side, one on the other, so that his hands remained steady till sunset. So Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. Then the Lord said to Moses, write this on a scroll as something to be remembered and make sure Joshua hears it, because I will completely blot out the name of Amalek from under heaven. 
Moses built an altar and called it, The Lord is my banner. He said, because hands were lifted up against the throne of the Lord, the Lord will be at war against the Amalekites from generation to generation. So, we join the Israelite people shortly after the exodus from Egypt. You know the story, they've had the miraculous parting of the Red Sea where Moses lifts up his staff over the water and it parts and they walk through on dry ground. But you know those people, they've got pretty short memories because this is just a few short weeks after the exodus and they've been complaining and grumbling because they've got no food. They've accused Moses of bringing them into the desert to starve them to death. God does another amazing miracle. So we've had the exodus and now another miracle when God provides them with manna and quail to eat. You'd think the people would get it by now, right? But at the beginning of Exodus 17, just before the passage I read, they're grumbling yet again. This time, they've got no water to drink. They say to Moses, why did you bring us out into the desert to die of thirst? So despite not one, not two, but three amazing miracles, because this third time, God provides water from a rock for them, the people still don't get it. And in verse 7... Just before our reading starts, we find them asking, is the Lord among us or not? God, where are you? Why have you done this to us? And then we get to the beginning of the passage I read in verse 8. We find that they're now facing a physical attack from the Amalekites as well. It's gone from bad to worse. So how do we feel as we think about the people's journey and where they're at right now? I wonder whether we're sitting here thinking, well, why have they got such short memories? They've seen God do all this amazing stuff. Why were they so quick to forget and fall back into questioning and complaining? We would have done so much better, right? We would have remembered what God had done. But are we really so very different? As we look back over our own journey with God, whether we've been traveling with God for many, many years or whether we're just at the start of that journey, How easy do we find it to remember times when God has answered our prayers or when we felt particularly close to God? How readily can we draw on those experiences to keep us going when we face new challenges? Or do we, perhaps like the Israelites, find that our memories are a bit flaky as well? Do we find ourselves doubting God when life gets tough? Now, I know for myself, I often find that I identify more with the Israelites than I would like to admit. And if you do too, then don't worry, you're not alone. But we're going to look together at how Moses leads the people in responding to this fresh challenge. And I hope we'll see that knowing God as Yahweh Nissi, the Lord our banner, will strengthen and sustain us through the challenges that we face too. So the people are under attack by the Amalekites, okay? And Moses leads a twofold response. He tells Joshua to take the army and go out and fight, while Moses himself goes up the top of the hill with the staff of God in his hand. Now, this staff of God is really quite important, okay? It's that big sort of shepherd's crook stick thing that Moses is holding in the picture. And it's been really important because it's a reminder of God's miraculous acts. 
This staff has cropped up a few times in the story. When God first called Moses, he said, throw the staff down on the ground and it will turn into a snake. That was a sign that God was with Moses. It's the staff that was used to usher in the plagues over Egypt. It's the staff that was raised over the Red Sea in the Exodus itself. And it's the staff that struck the rock to provide water for the people just shortly before this story. The staff symbolizes God's presence, and it's meant to remind the people of all these amazing miracles that he has done. So Moses lifts up his hands with the staff of God in a posture of prayer. And isn't that something that we still do today? I bet a load of us were lifting our hands in worship just now, lifting our hands to God. We might lift our hands when we're praying for someone else, like you did for me just before I started preaching. We might lift our hands in blessing. It's a physical way of reaching out to God, expressing that we want to call on God to intervene like Moses is doing here. And as we do that, we do it in confidence, knowing that God is just waiting, longing to hear our prayer. Hebrews chapter 4 speaks of Jesus as our great high priest who has ascended into heaven and broken down the barriers between us and God. And at the end of that chapter, there are these wonderful words. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. But that's not the whole story. Because Moses is there on the hill praying, but Joshua also needs to fight. Moses didn't go up the mountain and lift his hands in prayer while Joshua and the army sat around drinking a cup of tea. No, they had a part to play in the valley just as much as Moses did on the mountain. And the same is true for us, isn't it? If we're facing a difficult situation in our own life, I think there are two possible extremes that we might fall into. Maybe some of us are more prone to one than the other, or maybe some of us have tendencies towards both. On the one extreme, if you're facing a challenge in life, you might be tempted to say, I'm going to pray, I'm going to commit this to God, I'm going to trust him to sort it out, and then effectively just sit around drinking your own cup of tea while you wait for God to do a miracle. On the other hand, you might be somebody who, if you face a challenge in life, thinks, right, I'm going to work really, really hard, and I'm going to fix this by my own resources, my own willpower, my own determination. I'm going to find a way through this and actually not stop and pray about it at all. For instance, if we are maybe applying for jobs, we need to do the legwork of filling in the application forms and going for the interviews. That's our part. But it's also equally important for us to pray, commit the whole thing to God, ask him to open doors and guide us to where he wants us to be. And for those like myself, whose default setting tends to be put your head down and plow on in our own strength, Moses reminds us that when we face challenging times, we need to not forget to lift our hands to God in prayer. And did you notice how in the passage, once they've won the victory, Moses makes sure that this episode is recorded for the future to try and help the people improve their memories and not forget how God has answered their prayers. 
A tangible way that we can do this still today is to maybe keep a prayer journal. Has anyone ever tried that, keeping a prayer journal? Where you note down things that you pray for over a period of time, and then you go through and make a note when God answers those prayers. And it's just so encouraging to go back then, maybe a year or so later, and remind yourself what you were praying for a year ago and how God has answered And did you notice the part that Aaron and Hur had to play in all of this too? They went up the hill with Moses and they held up his hands when he was getting tired. They had a part to play too, to help Moses continue to lift his hands to God in prayer. And we can do that for one another as well. As we draw alongside each other in prayer, supporting and encouraging each other to keep going when life is hard to keep lifting our hands to God, our banner, to keep remembering ways we have seen him at work in our lives. I'm putting the picture up again. I'm really sorry, guys. One of the banner images that I referred to at the start was this football banner that unites people as part of a group with a common purpose. And we see that here with the togetherness of Moses, Aaron, and Hur as they come together to lift their hands in prayer to Yahweh Nissi, the Lord our banner. But of course, the Lord our banner means so much more than just that. Moses uses this name for God because it reflects his experience of confidently lifting his hands to the throne of God, calling on God to intervene, calling on God to be a banner over the battle they were fighting and then seeing Yahweh Nissi answer his prayers. We sang it in the song earlier in the service. I wonder if you remember, when I fight, I'll fight on my knees with my hands lifted high. Oh God, the battle belongs to you. I don't know who wrote that song, but I bet they got that image from this passage. Because we are invited to lift our hands in prayer to the Lord, our banner, the one who longs to hear our prayers. Now, the second banner I mentioned earlier is the kind of banner that tells us something really important, like a banner that tells us the date of Claygate Flower Show or the banner that tells us where to go to be welcomed here in church. And I think this can help us to discover another aspect of what it means to call God our banner. And I'm going to take us briefly into Numbers 21. So if you're on a Bible on your phone, this is Numbers chapter 21. And there's two two whole books of the Bible after the book of Exodus where we started. But the Israelites are still journeying through the desert. They're still on their travels. And they're still grumbling against God. Yes, still, despite having come to know him as the Lord their banner, despite all of these amazing miracles. But now God's patience is running out. And this time in Numbers 21... God responds to the people's complaints by sending poisonous snakes into the camp. And a lot of people die from the snake bites. The people come back to Moses in repentance. Numbers 21 verse 7. They say, We sinned when we spoke against the Lord and against you. Pray that the Lord will take the snakes away from us. So Moses prays and God answers. And the answer is a bit strange. God tells Moses to make a bronze snake 
and put it on a pole. Then the next time someone was bitten by a snake, they could simply lift their eyes to the bronze snake on the pole and they would live. Now, I don't want us to get hung up on the hows and whys of this story because it is a little bit strange. I simply want us to notice the bannerness of the idea of lifting up a snake on a pole and looking to it to live. Hold on to that thought for a moment, and I'm going to take us into John's Gospel, chapter 3, verse 14. Because Jesus refers to this weird snake story from the book of Numbers when he is speaking about who he is. Jesus says, Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man, that's Jesus, must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. So, we don't have to worry about snake banners anymore. That's good news if you're like me and don't find that a very attractive idea. We now have Jesus as our banner, which is a much more appealing prospect. We are invited to lift our eyes to Jesus. Jesus is the fulfillment of the name Yahweh Nissi, the Lord, our banner. He is the one who is lifted up on the cross. He is the most important banner that our eyes could ever be drawn to. And when we lift our eyes to him, the promise is eternal life, life in God's presence now and for eternity. So do you know Jesus as your banner? Have you lifted your eyes to him, looked to him for the most important, most valuable gift of salvation, relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, our banner? That is the invitation for us all to lift our eyes to Jesus, our banner. Finally, and briefly, my third banner image was of a banner as a sign of authority, like that flag that was laid on the Queen's coffin. And I think this brings both of the earlier images together. This is an invitation to place ourselves under the authority of the Lord, our banner. The one who holds out to us the offer of salvation in Jesus Christ when we lift our eyes to him. And the one who longs to hear our prayer when we lift our hands to him. What do we allow to have authority over our lives? Over the way we spend our time and our money? I wonder whether it's perhaps the needs of our family. The requirements of a demanding job. Our own wants or needs. Or the opinions and expectations of others. All of these do have a place to a greater or lesser extent, but what, or perhaps I should say who, holds the ultimate place of authority? We are invited to call Yahweh Nissi, not only our saviour, but also our Lord, to bow the knee to God our banner and place ourselves under his authority to let him shape our priorities, our use of money and time, the choices that we make in our lives, to honour him in how we live, to show his love to others, to invite others to know God the banner for themselves. So Yahweh Nisi, the Lord our banner, invites us to lift our hands to him in prayer 
to lift our eyes to him as the only hope for salvation and to bow the knee to his authority as Lord. Will you accept that invitation?